Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, The Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is July 6th, 2021. When my wife, Sari, was nine years old, a tornado touched down in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and destroyed most of her home. Luckily, she and the family were at her grandparents that evening, and so they weren't there when the storm hit. But the next day, when they all drove back to the neighborhood, it was barely recognizable, with many houses destroyed or badly damaged. Her great concern at the time were the family pets, who thankfully managed to ride out the storm unscathed. But her parents must have been traumatized by the destruction they saw all around them, wondering how long it would be before everything could get back to normal and whether there were some things that would just never be the same. In the middle of 2021, as America emerges from the pandemic, many are asking the same questions about the post-pandemic investment landscape. In our third quarter 2021 Guide to the Markets, which we released on Friday, we tried to illustrate just how much has changed in the last year and a half as a starting point in considering what is transitory, what is sticky, and what it all means for portfolios. First, it's worth emphasizing that despite regional variations in vaccination rates and the emergence of new variants, the pandemic does seem to be subsiding, with both cases and fatalities now down more than 90% from the January peaks. The vaccines distributed in the United States also appear to be remarkably effective, with less than 1% of fatalities in June occurring among vaccinated people, according to Dr. Fauci. Notably, according to the CDC, almost 80% of Americans over the age of 65 have now been fully vaccinated, which should keep fatalities lower even if there is some uptick in cases in the months ahead. This should allow almost all activity to return to normal by the fall. Starting from this assumption, it's worth surveying the investment landscape at the start of the post-pandemic era. The first remarkable feature of this landscape is that the economy appears to have already more than fully recovered in terms of output. Real GDP fell by 10.1% between the fourth quarter of 2019 and the second quarter of 2020, in the sharpest decline in modern history. However, by the first quarter of 2021, the economy had recovered more than 90% of this decline. We estimate that output then grew by nearly 10% annualized in the second quarter, even as widespread shortages constrained supply, putting output 1.5% above its pre-recession peak. The second half of the year should see determined efforts to rebuild inventories, and this, combined with strong consumer demand for services, should allow output to grow at a more than 5% annualised pace. This would leave real GDP in the fourth quarter of 2021 approximately 5% higher than in the fourth quarter of 2019, exceeding even what could have been assumed to be trend growth had the pandemic never occurred. The labour market's been a bit slower to heal with the June jobs report showing the recovery of only 70% of the 22.4 million jobs lost in the pandemic. However, the report provided plenty of hints that a full recovery is near at hand. First, much of the remaining job losses in industries that in June were still badly impacted by the pandemic, with state and local government employment still down by more than 1 million jobs relative to February of 2020, and employment in leisure and hospitality down more than 2 million jobs. A recovery in tourism and restaurant meals over the summer, a return of crowds to sports stadiums and entertainment venues, and a normal school year starting in September should quickly restore most of these positions. Second, wages for production non-supervisory workers have now risen by 4.6% annualised over the past two years. 
This is the strongest two-year gain in almost 40 years and reflects multiple surveys, like including this Wednesday's JOLTS report showing high, record-high labour demand in recent months. Enhanced unemployment benefits are very likely impeding the ability of firms to find workers at current wages. However, these benefits have now expired in almost half the states and will end in the rest of the states by September 6th, likely leading to a surge in labour supply. Overall, we now expect the unemployment rate to average 4.9% in the fourth quarter and 3.8% in the second quarter of 2022, pushing the unemployment rate below the Fed's long-run target of 4%. While economic output and employment are recovering very quickly, Productivity and inflation rates have likely overshot and will likely return at least part of the way to the pace of the late 20-teens. Productivity growth has been very impressive. We estimate that output per worker has risen at a 4.1% annualised pace over the past six quarters, far above the 1.3% average seen in the prior 20 years. Part of this has likely been a collapse in business expenses due to lower T&E costs, and part probably reflects the switch to greater consumer spending on goods which are less labour-intensive than services. Part may simply reflect the faster pickup in demand than employment forcing workers to be more productive. However, much of this will likely be given back as the economy returns to more normal operations, and economists should likely only hope for a modest long-term productivity growth payoff from the more efficient work practices adopted during the pandemic. Similarly, much of the current surge in inflation due to supply bottlenecks, labour shortages, stimulus-fed consumption and pent-up demand should ease in the hopefully more normal economy of 2022. However, to the extent that labour markets remain tight as the economy approaches full employment and inflation expectations drift up, the new normal for inflation going forward may be a bit above rather than below the Federal Reserve's long-run 2% target. Strong productivity growth and a fast economic rebound have clearly helped corporate profits, with S&P 500 operating earnings per share for the first quarter coming in at $47.41, far above the old quarterly peak of $41.38 set back in the third quarter of 2018. Analysts do expect earnings to fall back a little to $44.15 in the second quarter, according to Standard Poor's. However, upward revisions to those estimates and positive forward guidance from companies are both at record highs, according to FactSet, setting up the potential for some further upside surprises in the upcoming earnings season. That being said, profit growth will likely see a significant slowdown in 2022, as companies face higher wage costs, slower economic growth, and likely higher interest rates and taxes. This brings us to the last but very important part of the investment landscape. In the early chaotic days of the pandemic, Washington opened up the monetary and fiscal fire hydrants, and they are still flooding the economy and financial markets with liquidity. On the fiscal side, an agreement between the White House and a bipartisan group of senators in an infrastructure package could hold the key to the passage of both that bill and a reconciliation bill containing further fiscal stimulus. However, all of this remains highly tentative, and if negotiations between the Senate and the House fail to produce an agreement, the economy could experience some fiscal drag in 2022. More broadly, it will be very difficult for Democrats to hold the House in November of 2022, and divided government from that point on would likely mean much less fiscal stimulus, as was the case in the last six years of the Obama administration. On the monetary side, the Federal Reserve is gradually sounding more hawkish, reflecting both positive signs in the economy and more worrying increases in consumer inflation, home prices and a wide swath of asset prices. We believe that the Fed will likely begin to taper bond purchases at the end of this year, and begin to raise short-term interest rates by the end of next year. Moreover, long-term interest rates should resume their ascent in anticipation of Fed action. For investors, it's this last point that is probably the most important. 
many investments can be financed profitably with interest rates at close to zero. And while asset prices are generally high, a long period of cheap financing has favoured the speculative over the prudent. As rates rise, valuations should become more important. If this is the case, then the rotation from mega-cap stocks to the rest of the market, from growth to value, and from domestic stocks to international stocks, which started last November and stalled in the second quarter, should resume in the months ahead. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your JP Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.